Promises, promises, promises. Cecile said it. When the Lord gave me this, he said, you know, people just laugh, don't they? Sometimes say, oh yeah, promises, promises, promises. (laughs) But the scripture that we've tagged on the message uh, slide is 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. And that's quite key, through us, as we go through this. And what we're going to do in this series, we're going to reveal, uh, as we expound the Christmas story scriptures, it's going to highlight the prophetic promises of God that have been given and were fulfilled. And what you'll see included in this is going to be how God used messenger angels, men and women, in the unfolding of his sovereign will. And he hasn't stopped. So my title today is Carrying the Promise. Carrying the Promise. Familiar scriptures, but God seems to want to keep pulling more out of those scriptures. And while you've got time as you relax leading up to Christmas, because I'm sure you will have, if you read the opening chapters of Matthew and Luke and go back over those Christmas uh, story scriptures, you will be blessed as I was in preparing this. So, who are the people who God uses at this very significant time in history? That's what we want to look at. And the outworking of the promises and covenants he had made centuries before. And who is being entrusted to carry the promise, the promise, Jesus, and the promises that surround him? Well, Luke chapter 1 is where it all sits really today. And I'll take us through uh, little by little and bring out some points that Jesus seems to, the Holy Spirit seems to lay on my heart for this. It says at verse 5, When Herod the Great was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. The priests were descendants of Aaron, brother of Moses. And his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. So you've now got Zechariah and Elizabeth who feature in this now. Now, the key thing in this is Zechariah, yes, he's a priest, and he's the order of Abijah. And when you study it out, that goes back to 1 Chronicles 24, where the priests were formed into divisions, which is quite key about the amazing work that God does here in bringing about what he is unfolding and the people that are carrying this promise at this particular time in history. The priests were put into 24 sections by King David for the organization and the structure of the temple. And they would operate by uh, drawing a lot as to who was going to be in charge um, at the particular time. And you'll find how significant that is for Zechariah. And uh, the line that he's coming from is all relevant in there. That's through Aaron, the priestly line. And God set up the priest when he told Moses to set up Aaron. Uh, as a priest, that he might minister unto God. And the priest then folded, unfolded from, from, that, uh, from that moment. But when you get to verse 8 and 9, it says, One day Zechariah was serving in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to burn incense. 
And I'll just say this, nothing is by chance when it comes to God. Just think, Zachariah, just an ordinary man who's become a priest, is now chosen to be in the temple at this particular time in history, in this particular week. There's a large number of priests, so the privilege might come only once in a priest's lifetime. So that makes it even more amazing. And verse 11 says, While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. So suddenly, there he is just getting on. With, he's on the router. Who's on the router here to do serving? <laughs> Each week you come in and do the router. Zachariah's on the router. He's in the temple just doing what he needs to be doing. But at this moment suddenly something changes. An angel appears by the altar. And where's Elizabeth? Elizabeth's at home. Housewife. Looking after the home. She's unaware of what's about to unfold. Two ordinary people going about their daily business. But God is about to break in in a big way. And she's also a daughter of Aaron. So there's this bringing together of this amazing priestly line. Verse 6 says that they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. That's the sort of life God's after for us, isn't it? Both righteous before God, walking in all his commandments, ordinances, and blameless. But verse 7 is the sad bit. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. So, what is going to happen? I think you all know the story, but we'll still unfold it. And this is not unusual, is it? That uh, suddenly you've got a couple where the woman is barren, but God's about to do something because we had it in the Old Testament, in Genesis with Sarah and Isaac, Rebecca and the twins, Jacob and Esau, Rachel with Joseph, Manuah with Samson and Hannah with Samuel. Significant people being born at a special time in God's unfolding plan. In verse 12, Zechariah is shaken and a bit overwhelmed by this. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Knows his name. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. So he's very specific. And this means the Lord has shown favor. John means the Lord has shown favor. And is this favor now going to come upon Zechariah and Elizabeth? And he's also told that he will be a Nazarite set apart for God. And you can read about the Nazarite vow in Numbers 6 if you want to study that. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Keep hold of that uh, verse for later on. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. So Zechariah questions the angel. And he says... Well, he and Elizabeth are old. But then I think this bit at verse 19 is quite awesome. The angel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Now, we like WhatsApp and Instagram and all these things, but what about this for an instant, Graham, eh? 
an angel from the presence of God appearing and saying, this is what's going to happen, this is who uh, the child is going to be, and this is going to be the name of the child. And there was other bits in that, that he will go before him, that means the Lord Jesus, in spirit and power, the spirit and power of Elijah. And in Malachi, which is back in 450 BC that Malachi was prophesying, he said that God would send Elijah before the time of God's salvation. So we've got a promise. Cecile talked about promises in 450 BC. We've got a promise now being given here that's going to unfold a little bit quicker than the hundreds of years between that particular prophecy. But, but the amazing thing is that when God gives a promise... When God says something's going to happen, it is going to happen. And he says, the angel's serious, isn't he? Verse 20, but now since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. And in the Greek, the word silent also means deaf, which is quite relevant when you go further on at the birth of John. So he's probably deaf and dumb here now because God is protecting the promise now because there's been unbelief in Zechariah, so he can't say anything now. And he, if he can't hear anything, he can't hear what people are saying. So I would imagine that as you go to the scripture in a little while, that will really emphasize that uh, uh, point. Zechariah, when he came out of the temple, everybody could see he must have had a vision or something had happened in the sanctuary. He'd taken his time coming out. And um, <clears throat> when his week of service was over, he returned home and is now carrying the promise spiritually from the angel. And it says at verse 24, soon afterward, Elizabeth becomes pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. So Elizabeth is now pregnant, just as Gabriel said she would be. And when I woke Thursday morning, this is what the Lord seemed to lay on my heart. Every prophetic word or promise from God is pregnant with the fulfillment of that promise, and it will be born and grow. Every promise, every prophetic word is pregnant with the fulfillment of it. And, 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 and that just stuck with me this week. And so Isaiah 55 said that the word of God is living and active. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is sent out and will not return void. It says it will accomplish that which is sent to do. And I don't know what promises you've had in your lives that haven't been fulfilled yet. But I can tell you it is pregnant with fulfillment and it will be fulfilled. And what the Lord seemed to show me as a practical demonstration is this bottle of water. That's a vessel for carrying water. And in, uh, in the scriptures it says that he is the potter and we are the clay. We are vessels. So we are vessels that carry things. And this bottle has got writing on it. And when you buy that bottle new, there's a word on there that tells you who made it, where it's come from, and what is in there is mineral water. But the seal has not yet been broken. I don't know when this was bottled. I don't know how many months ago it was bottled. But at this point in time now, that is with me. And when I crack open this seal and take a drink from it, <laughs> what is promised inside that bottle is now coming out. And the vessel has been containing it until that point. Same with the acorn. Pregnant with an oak tree. And when it's put in the right place, in the right conditions at the right time, you will get break out of that acorn and out will come the, the promise, the oak tree. Jeremiah 
He said to Jeremiah in chapter 1, he shows him an almond tree and says to Jeremiah, what are you to see? And Jeremiah describes it and God then says, I am ready to perform my word. I am ready to perform my word. And Len prophesied this morning. God spoke to us. He's told us he's, gonna, he's doing something. He's ready to perform his word in this church. Healing's going to come. Healing's going to come. Hallelujah. He said it. Luke 1, 26. We now go to two other people, Mary and Joseph. Now it's a six-month in the sixth month, he's obviously counting from when Gabriel has been to speak to Zechariah here, because it says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. So now you've got the kingly line. He's of the house of David. And if you study out the genealogy, so is Mary, the way the genealogy goes. The virgin's name was Mary. And Gabriel is now with Mary. And amazingly, you know, Gabriel appeared to Daniel in nine, Daniel 9.25. And that was back in 605 BC. Same angel, same angel doing the same things, taking messages, and he told Daniel something in there about the, the captivity, and then he talked about 70 weeks of prophecy, but he says, until Messiah, the prince, comes. So Gabriel has told Daniel way back in 600 BC about the Messiah coming, and this same angel has now appeared to Mary, and he's about to speak to her about that very thing. And the angel says to Mary in verse 28, Rejoice, highly favoured one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God, and here's it. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Which in Hebrew is Joshua, which means the Lord is salvation. There's something important about names. We need to sometimes look at what a name means. Verse 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. No end. And those two verses, 32 and 33, 31, 32 and 33, it's a promise, a promise, a promise. Gabriel is pouring out promises here of what is going to take place. And the position of Jesus as heir of the throne of his father David and the eternity of his reign identify him as the Messiah. And when you go back and look in in 2 Samuel 7, verse 12 onwards, it says uh, the Lord speaks to David, uh, God will set up seed after you, offspring after you. Solomon comes and it flows right through now to Jesus, this seed, this offspring. Cecile spoke about uh, Genesis and when you go to Genesis 3.15 as where God says to uh, the serpent after he's deceived Eve, he says to her, doesn't he, the seed from this lady, capital S, is going to crush your head. This seed is now going to be planted in Mary's womb. And it talks about that his throne is going to be forever. It's going to be established forever. God the Father said he's in charge this morning to us through the prophetic 
And he is, because in Isaiah 9, verse 6, the promise of, again, in 700 BC is being spoken of prophetically. And he's saying, the prophet is saying, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. 700 BC. And now Gabriel is there in this moment in time speaking to a young virgin girl saying you are about to become pregnant with the Lord most high. Psalm 132, verses 11 and 12, the eternal dwelling of God in Zion. This is about 1,000 years to 300 BC that Psalms were written. And in this one, in Psalm 132, it says, The Lord has sworn in truth to David, he will not turn from it. I, God, will set upon your throne the fruit, the seed, the offspring of your body. And verse 12 speaks of forevermore. This was quoted by Peter in the day of Pentecost, confirming the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension to the throne of David in Acts 2.30. And it says in verse 13 of that psalm, For the Lord has chosen Zion, he has desired it for his dwelling place, his home, and is, uh, this is my God's resting place forever. What is going on in Israel at the minute? What Hamas think they're going to do? What Hezbollah think they're going to do? What Iran think they're going to do? They need to read the scriptures because God has decreed, this is my dwelling place, it is my resting place forever. It is not going to change. It's not going to change. And no politician, no president of America, if he's wavering, is going to change that because God has said, this is my dwelling place. It is Israel and it's going to remain forever. 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 Let's return quickly to Luke 1, verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? I'm a virgin. Although she was betrothed to Joseph, they're engaged basically. They're now committed in a marriage covenant uh, which can only be broken by death if there's adultery or divorce. So they're technically as married as you can be, but they have not had any sexual relations. It is clear in the scriptures she is a virgin and that is what God prophesied would happen. It would be a virgin, would be with child. And verse 35 says, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest God will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. I preached last week on empowered, where the Holy Spirit empowers us, where the Holy Spirit equips us, where the Holy Spirit anoints us. You have to take a big step of faith here, and people can't get their head around it, that God can place his son in a virgin's womb. Yes, he can. And he did. Verse 36. This is the joining up of the dots of God's promises and how he brings things together. Verse 36, now indeed, Elizabeth, the angels telling Mary, has also conceived a son in her old age and is now in the sixth month. It is her sixth month for her who was called barren. And he says this, and I think this is a word for some people this morning in verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. 
For God, nothing will be impossible. Whatever you're facing, whatever is coming, for with God, nothing will be impossible. When you go back over these scriptures, if he can place his son in a virgin's womb, if he can bring all those prophecies together, if an angel can come and stand there and speak, not only knowing who Zechariah was, but telling him who his son's going to be in his name and how that will all unfold, if he can do that, your situation is nothing compared to this. And God is greater and for with God nothing will be impossible take hold of that this morning but there's something else here obedience obedience unlocks the promise verse 38 then Mary said behold the maidservant of the Lord these are crucial words let it be to me according to your word praise the Lord that's faith Zachariah said well I don't know we're a bit old Doubt came in. But this dear lady, this young girl who's in her mid-teens probably, says, let it be to me according to your word. Can we dare say that sometimes? We haven't got a clue what's coming. When Cecile and I felt God said, I want you to step up and take on this church, it's basically, let it be according to your will, Lord, your word. Little did we know what was coming. Blimey, it's not the end of 2023 yet. I think we had just about everything, haven't we, coming at us at the minute. And the angel then departed from her. That's Mary. But what about poor Joseph? Another ordinary man, carpenter. Not, not a clue what's just happened. His girl he loves, who he's betrothed to, they're going to be getting married. And now <laughs> he's now going to be told, I'm pregnant. Because verse 18 in Matthew chapter 1, Mary now with child, is now with child of the Holy Spirit. And verse 19, so Joseph has now been made aware of it. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, upright, that means blameless, righteous, conforming to God's laws and man, and man's, and not wanting to make her, that is Mary, a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So this man who loves her is thinking, how can I help in this uh, mess. <laughs> and at verse 20, while he's trying to think this through, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. I think that's amazing how God just <laughs> comes in at the right moment in all these situations. And he says to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived begotten in her is of the Holy Spirit and she will bring forth a son and he shall call his name and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins <laughs> I try to just be natural about this can you imagine your girlfriend coming and saying I'm pregnant that's all right that's God I mean the leap the faith here in these people is something else isn't it Verse 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. The bottle has been opened. The acorn has broken open. It's all starting to happen here. That prophetic word, that promise is now cracking open. Joseph awakens from his sleep and did as the angel commanded, took Mary to him as wife. And 
and, and, and there was no consummation, there was no sexual uh, actions at all till Jesus is born. Everything is kept absolutely pure. So Joseph is now carrying the promise spiritually. Mary's definitely carrying the promise in her womb. What happens next? Coming to the end. Slowly. Mary's reputation is on the line because she could have been stoned and all sorts of things could have happened. But you know, her reputation's on the line and her life was going to go perhaps a bit upside down. But Jesus says in Philippians 2, Jesus made himself of no reputation, humbled himself even unto death, and in due time God exalted him. Sometimes we feel like our reputation could be going and like the whole thing is a very humbling process. But there's a good place to be because when you come to that place and when we die to self, then God can raise us up uh, into what he wants us to be to do what he wants us to do. So Mary goes to Elizabeth. Did you know it's 80 to 100 mile journey away? (laughs) Four days traveling. But it says she went with haste. And this is awesome. At verse 41 of Luke chapter 1. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and the baby. What did the angel say in verse 15? John is going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit in the womb. And it's just happened. And I think what is amazing here for anyone who's interested in the prophetic When the Holy Spirit does empower and when he comes upon, Elizabeth says to Mary in that bold voice, a loud voice that says in verse 42, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's just arrived, Mary, and said hello. And out comes this from that moment when the Holy Spirit comes in. And it says, For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment, there's that word again, fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. All these promises, promises, promises are starting to break open now. And in her song that comes Mary, where she magnifies the Lord, which mirrors Hannah's prayer after giving birth to Samuel. She ends it with saying this, As he, God, spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. She links it back there. This is where it all comes back from. And Mary remained with Elizabeth for three more months before returning home. And then we get to verse 57 where John is about to be born. Now Elizabeth's full time has come. John is born. He needs to be circumcised and named after eight days. And at verse 59 it says, They would have called him by the name of his father Zacharias, which is tradition. And at verse 60, Mary, uh, sorry, Elizabeth says, No, he should be called John. She's standing firmly upon what she has been instructed to do. And we need to do that today like never before. We need to stand upon what God has told us and what he's telling us to say. And she has said, no, he should be called John. And they're thinking, this is strange. And this is where I said that I think Zachariah was probably deaf. Because in verse 61, uh, they, and 62, 63, 61, but they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name John. And to Zechariah, they made signs for him to say something. 
So if you're making signs to someone, that means he can't hear what you're saying, is what seems to come out to, to say that he probably had lost his hearing as well. And he gets a tablet and writes on it, his name is John. Bang. This launches everything now. Because that promise has been protected to this moment. They all marveled. Immediately his mouth is opened and his tongue is loosed and he spoke. Not telling them what was going on and everything else in his life. He just starts praising God. The fear comes on all the people about what's happened. They're talking about it. All those who heard uh, them kept them, these things in their hearts saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him, John. And Zechariah goes into a prophecy. It says at verse 67. He's now empowered. Just like uh, Elizabeth was empowered to speak as she did. Just like Mary when she sang her song. He's, now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit it says at verse 67 and prophesied and in the long prophecy that follows you'll have to read it for yourselves in 68 to 79 it says in there it includes raising up a horn of salvation the Messiah for us in the house of his servant David all that has been said in these scriptures and verse 76 and you child John will be called the prophet of the highest for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way this is a baby that's just been born how many of you are speaking over your children how many of you are prophesying over your children how many of you are doing it and over your grandchildren because you need to begin to speak the things of God over them he's spoken over his son here for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways and Isaiah 40 verse 3 actually prophesied the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make straight the desert a highway for our God here's the boy that's going to do it here's the man that is going to come out of this boy and he's going to be the one John the Baptist in the wilderness and it says at verse 80 so the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel God's unfolding plan I end with this we too are vessels carrying the promise of Jesus we've got Jesus in us and there are people out there who need to know that Jesus has come once and he's coming again. And that's the crucial one. Jesus is coming again. And all the signs are saying, it's getting closer. And we're the ones that are carrying, <laughs> we're carrying the promise. We too need to keep preparing the way like John the Baptist was born to do. Preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. To meet the promise that Jesus has said that I'm coming. And I'm coming for my people and I'm coming for my church. So when you go back and read through Luke chapter 1, in the 2 probably, and in Matthew chapter 1, prayerfully just go through it. I've just touched on things. I've gone through probably a lot quicker than uh, is good for the amount of stuff that is contained in there. But I just felt the Lord saying for this series, you know, to bring out his promises, a yes and amen. And they're... The whole thing says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us, through Zechariah, through Elizabeth, through Joseph, through Mary, through John, through Jesus. And it continues and continues and continues 
and we're carrying promises. And you may have thought God's forgotten. He may have given you a promise a long time ago. But I hope you've been encouraged this morning. That promise is sealed, ready to be released at an appointed time. That promise is pregnant with fulfillment. And it will be fulfilled. And if you just need to go back into God and make sure you're walking right, you're living your life right, remind Him of the promise. God will complete that which he has begun and the word that he sent forth in your life in your family's life will not return void but will complete that which God sent it to do and that is what Christmas shouts to us God said I'm sending you a saviour Jesus Christ Amen